0: Hi, you're listening to Thoughtful Wellness Revolution, where we believe wellness isn't wellness if it's just for you. We're your hosts, Zara and Hien. And before we get started, please make sure to give us a five-star rating and review. Even though we're a podcast that believes in decolonizing, we're still bound to the algorithm. So every little bit that you can help us out, we really appreciate it. And we thank you for all the support. Let's get into it. Hey friends, Uh, we are coming to you with our first episode of the season and we're switching up the way we start our podcast off a bit and Hien and I are gonna just check in with each other, give you a vibe of the interview, let you listen to that and then you'll hear our thoughts at the end. So since this is a new season and a new episode here and a new year, this is our first recording of the year. You guys won't hear this till March. It will be around March, April when you're listening to this hopefully, but Hien, what's on your mind today?
1: I think for me, uh, what has been on my mind today is mornings. And that is because um, I woke up early this morning. And you know me, Zara. I I am not um, an early bird, right? I was going to say morning bird, an early bird. I'm a night owl, but I woke up early this morning and I've been having a pretty good day so far. So. I don't know. Maybe there's something to it. Um, Yeah. Um,
0: I love that. As you know, and many people in my life know, I'm an early riser. This past year has been a bit different for me on that front, but I'm trying to get back to it. I love an early morning. You feel like you get a lot done by noon. You're like, oh, my gosh, I've already had a full day. That's so great. Um, What's on your mind, Zara? Um there's a lot on my mind what a lot of people wouldn't know if I wasn't about to tell everyone is I definitely had a full breakdown (laughs) and (laughs) sobbed to the end before we started this um but I am feeling pretty fresh and clear now I don't know if you can hear it in my voice but uh yeah I so I'm thinking a bit about how it's really beautiful that when our sadness can be witnessed by another person, it almost like heals it. Or it like really does put some like softness and some ease into the moving through of it. Um, And I just want to say for anyone who isolates when they are sad, uh, If you look at yourself being sad, if you talk to someone else and you're honest about it, that helps, you know, if you don't have anyone to talk to, I get it. I've been there, but look in the mirror. It feels fucking weird as hell, but it does work. Um, And then you can laugh a bit and that
1: feels awkward too. You know, I just want to say, I'm going to talk to you more about this later, Zara, but it's so interesting you said that because, so I have a cousin and she's one of the happiest person I know she's an anagram seven. I'll just also put that out there. And I've noticed that is how she deals with life and the shit that happens in her life is she will talk to people. And I also have heard like, you know, in the world of like psychology and like scientifically that it is helpful if you've gone through trauma or just like when you're going through hard times, if you're able to verbalize it, because it like, it really does something and it helps. And so I just kind of like want to point that out because it just feels like, I don't know, feels very aligned with what I wanna tell you about um, my cousin who I love later.
0: (laughs) I love that, that's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, And speaking of, I don't know if we're speaking of trauma or talking around trauma and like processing and stuff, but we did have just the most beautiful conversation with Sexy Soup Dumplings um, that you guys are about to hear. And to give you a little, like, idea on the vibe of that, if any of you have seen the new movie, The Menu, um, with Ralph Fiennes, um, Tony from Skins, that's going to be my millennial olders crowd who watched UK Skins. Um, sorry, it's not about the cast. It's not about the cast. We don't talk about the cast in the episode. Um, anyway, so we talk about The Menu. We start off talking about The Menu, and it really gets us into a beautiful conversation uh, surrounding sexuality, food, sex, work, um, interestingly enough, like labor rights and how people are, um, people in those industries kind of experience that. And we, we get a lot into sex. We do soup, dumplings, work, and their experience. And it is a really beautiful episode Hian, is there anything you want to add before these beautiful people get started?
1: I will say that, um, Sexy Soup Dumplings is a very Taurus person, umbrella Taurus energy and sensuality. And that's one of the things I love about them. And I hope that you you enjoy it as well in the episode and the interview.
0: Hello, friends. Today, we're talking to Sexy Soup Dumplings, who is a chef, content creator, and sex worker from Philly. So can you tell us what's on your mind today?
2: so okay has anyone seen the menu yet have you have you all seen
0: the menu? yes oh,
2: it's so i have so it's many so thoughts i i i had a i had a very short host instant in fine dining and it was the worst <laughs> experience of my life and i did not get paid enough um and i just think the the connection between food work and sex work is like so evident in that movie especially fine dining like I have so many thoughts on fine dining and like the whole, like pedestal in a fine
0: dining. Yeah. Okay. I absolutely love that. And I'm so curious. I have to ask you more off cause this is not an interview with the menu, but yes. Oh my God. That is so interesting. I worked not in fine dining, but in service. So I can uh, attest that it is not ideal. You're not always treated with dignity and respect. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that is, those are some very interesting points I hadn't thought of. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do or create? So I am a self-taught chef.
2: Um, I've been working at a mutual aid collective kitchen, um, which is a very, like, horizontal environment compared to, like, what you see in the menu, which is, like, you know, the old, like, French way of doing things where they like yell at people like, no, that's not the environment that I work in. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, and I also do a lot of content creation both around food, pleasure, and as well as non-monogamy, because I am a non-monogamous person. Well, specifically polyamorous, um, if we want to be more exact. Um, and I do sex work mainly online, but I'm rolling out the in-person uh, sex work, which is really, really exciting. Um, Because I love to create healing spaces, and I feel like that's accessible through food, but also through sex work. Even though, like, Mm -hmm. I know that sex work is definitely defunct by like a lot of people, but I feel like it's super taboo if you talk about it in the Asian Asian communities because, Mm -hmm. like, a we don't really talk about sex, and b like I don't think anyone's mom is like, oh my god, my like child is selling their body. I'm like, but the world exploits us in so many other ways. That's just like one way that not, you're not necessarily, well, I mean, yeah, there can be exploitation if we're going to get more nuanced, but also like it can be empowering. And to me, as like someone who is polyamorous, who is a survivor of intimate and sexual violence, intimate partner violence, like it's something empowering because like it's taken back all those experiences for me, but also that's just my experience. That's not everyone's experience. I want to put that out there.
1: Yeah, you are absolutely right. Like, thank you for like sharing it from you know your lens and your about your point of view and your experience. And you know, that is why um we ha- we're having you on here is because um I just want to like share with folks how I kind of like know you. And so from what I just remember. I think we started like, I guess, becoming like Instagram friends or mutuals in like, I want to say like 2019-ish, like that feels like forever ago. And um, I just remember that you just seemed like a really cool person. Like you were just putting out content that felt so honest and like vulnerable and just also like so bold. Like it it was just really cool to see um, an Asian person who was just so bold online with like, this is my life. This is what I'm going through. And, and you've shared like sort of both, I think your ups and downs in life since then, that's like what I've seen and what I really admire. And so, you know, you're, you're talking about um, being like a chef and content creator and sex worker. Um, I just want to say all those things are very like central and like, I know you're a Taurus. And so I just want to say that's like big Taurus energy, (laughs) which I love which I love. I'm like, yes, like give give me that like essential, you know, energy, you know, like teach me. Um so I really love that. And I remember, you know, not that long ago, really, it really was not that long ago, um you were very vocal about your thoughts on the coaching industry because I think you were starting I you mean, as a content creator along with coaching um, and if you're comfortable with it um, and you, you know, like you can talk about it to however much extent you want um, I'd love to kind of hear how you went from that of, of thinking like I'm going to be a coach to like, and this is what I do now as a chef, content creator and sex worker and kind of like the journey because I've like, you know as someone who follows you like I've seen it and I think it's really um interesting and I'd love to hear it from you in your words. So
2: I guess with like starting in the coaching industry, it was something that like during 2020, I feel like it was like the advent of like coaching before everything kind of like unpeeled itself, which makes sense astrologically. Cause like, I'm one of those people who's very witchy too. Um, so I do include that in my sex work and my food. Um, but I got interested in it because I've always been interested in being my own boss. Like that to me is very empowering. Not in like the girl boss way, like, no, I get to like charge my rates, whatever. And I think that it's easy to get sucked into it, especially when like 2019, 2020, I was still very early in my healing journey with survivorship, with intimate partner violence, with abuse, with um sexual violence and I think it makes you very gullible um to things that seem right quote-unquote um I think that it also was like for me externalizing my validation when in reality like that's nice to have but like it's not a need and it felt like kind of an addiction to that in some ways now that I look back um And I think it was through a bunch of Instagrammers that I found out about coaching. And I signed up for a lot of courses. Like I spent, oh God, like what, $5,000, $10,000 in coaching. I mean, I still invest in some coaching now, but it's not that amount. Like it's maybe like, what, like $2,000, $3,000, maybe $4,000 in a whole year. Like that's, but this was like over a year plus that I spent that amount and I really don't like that the coaching industry is unregulated. Like there's, oh my God, (laughs) we have this one Asian colleague. I think you know who I'm talking about, Uh, Heen. Uh, Like this one person who purported themselves as a very trauma-informed person, yoga,
1: yeah I see your decolonized you know they use words like decolonizing yeah it
2: was just a whole mess and they were someone that I like literally did a trade with it was not a trade at all it was totally unequal and like that was one of the first times that I really was like fuck I'm like losing faith in this industry because like what the hell, I just did a thousand plus dollars of work for you that you didn't even take the advice from me, even though I know what I'm talking about. And I'm pretty fucking good at marketing because I was in, I was in marketing and public relations before I did coaching or sex work or any of these things. And like, she also exploited me for like my family trauma going on at the time, which was really, really like, Like, yes, I like to talk about that, but on my own terms, not for someone else's like gain. Like that just feels eh to me. And that was like the turning point for me that I was like, fuck this shit. Like, uh, this made me feel so demoralized. And even before that, I was like, I've been through a lot of coaching, but I felt like it was just selling me this dream that's not necessarily a realistic and b like, it's it shouldn't be a shame that someone has to take on a part-time job. Like that's just fucking capitalism that we live in. Like not everyone's going to have six figures. Like I hated that too. And so I moved from that and still doing content creation. Cause I found the most joy in content creation and not in just like coaching people. Cause like, what was I coaching people on? Like, I don't even know what I was coaching people on. Like, was I coaching them on to have their own business or like, hold space as a healer but like you can't necessarily like coach someone on how to like that's a therapist's job and like with my clients sex work whatever I tell them to go to therapy if they, I know that they need therapy all like slowly inch them towards it if they're like if they're like resistant to it which does happen and has happened with one of my IRL um, sex work clients but like They're also now like pursuing therapy and have done some work towards that. So like it's baby steps. But at the end of the day, coaching is just like, again, it's a lot of selling this fantasy. Again, not all coaches. There's some like wonderful coaches, like shout out to Tumi. They're awesome. They keep it real. But a lot of people like, it's just this fantasy that you're selling which again, also kind of ironically correlates to sex work because you're selling this persona and fantasy, but it's in a definitely much real way. Like I know that I'm exchanging money for like an experience. Um, And so I took some time away from the coaching industry, away from activism, because like I've also been involved in activism and I realized that like work shouldn't drain me. Like, yes, I mean, work can drain you, given that it's capitalism, but like work that you're like passionate about. And that's your like like, pro- like project more or less should be enjoyable for you to some extent. Like, yeah, you're going to hate it. Like every other job I'm sure every, every now and then, but like, it should be something that like lights you up. And like, for me, coaching wasn't that. And then, so I took some time away. I like was totally against it. I decided to not do like invest in any programs for a year until I like found programs that were aligned for me and like taking time to listen to my body. Um, and then I realized that I really like cooking and really like, like it's in my blood. Cause my family, both sides owned restaurants when I was like a little kid. And so like, I always grew up in that environment. And for a long time, I honestly looked down upon that type of work, which like feels weird to say now, Um, but I think it was like an internalized classism thing. And, and I think there's a lot of internalized classism and classism in the coaching industry. And so once I was able to like talk to my therapist, you know, have a few sessions with a healer, shout out Siobhan, she's the best. You should check out their page. Um, it really helped me realize that what I need to do and like my medicine is talk about food it's talking about sex it's talking about all these things and also putting them together um and the sex work also like that's something that I've been interested in on and off since I was like what 2021 maybe like I've always been a very sexual person with a big sex drive um and it's something that I've enjoyed and also getting paid for It's nice. Right. Like, no, it's going to not want to like, not get paid for something that they enjoy. Um, and so I also pursued peer support for sex work with my friend, May, May, um, multivorce my, um, and that has helped me because they've been in the industry for a long, long time. So for like eight plus years or something like that. And, uh, yeah, it just, I guess with therapy and reflecting on life and journal, and I just came to this realization that this is what the path is meant to be for me specifically. And this is where I find the most joy in and I can create my own hours, which is just lovely. Even with having a part-time job, I still get to create like what days I come in. And if I want to add more days and if I need to like not have as many days during certain months, because like it's going to be more sex work heavy, or it's going to be more food facilitation heavy. Like it's totally different every month. And that's what I love about all of this, that it's not a cookie cutter thing. Whereas with coaching, it was like, this is how to do it. This is cookie cutter. And I'm just like, no, cookie cutter does not work for me. I don't think it works for most people, to be honest. It's like saying that like one type of therapy works for everyone. Like, no, CBT is not going to work for everyone. That's just that's just the true.
1: yeah thank you so much for sharing that and I will say as someone who's followed you since like 2019 that you seem like the most you like and not to say that like you weren't being yourself before but you just seem like the most you I've ever seen yet so far and I can only imagine that you're going to be even like, more you um, as you continue down this path, which I think is awesome. And um, Zara, I saw you, like, make a lot of facial expressions, so I feel like you might have something you want to add. <laughs> um, yeah, I also will say
0: I followed you for a while, and I love your content, and it does feel very embodied, so I do want to, yes, pop on that train. But so oh. um, you said so many brilliant things about the coaching industry that I... <laughs> relate to, experienced, reflected on, it's sort of like a minefield, it's such a wild experience to have done coaching and watched, like done coaching on the aspect of like hiring exorbitantly expensive coaches who provide you with nothing and gaslight you and tell you that it's actually your fault you're not succeeding, um, And then also be on the other side of it where you're like, oh, I'm like supposed to be coaching people and guiding them. Like, also, what am I doing? Also, what are we all doing? Like, what is this industry doing? Like, where does this overlap with therapy and where should it not be overlapping in therapy? There's such a lack of insight. And I know you've been talking about it on your page a lot. And I just want to say, I really appreciate it because this is content that is deeply needed within wellness spaces and is not being addressed at all whatsoever for the most part. And I was saying to Yen earlier this month that like, I'm seeing so many people who weren't even necessarily in wellness before or never did coaching or have real like training in other things that are now like, I'm gonna be your holistic wellness coach. And it's like, what does that mean? And then, you know, you got to get a tagline, you got to get a, what? what's your pain point? What are you selling to people? What are you marketing to people? The cookie cutterness of it is, it's such a specific formula. And to just see people continuing to pick it up still to this day, you know what I mean? Where it's like, we've been having these conversations and coaching for at least a couple of years now. I mean, in wellness, it's starting to happen. I mean, in our spaces, I would say on a larger scale, like I said, it's, these are conversations that aren't really being had. Um... But I was curious, as someone who's reflected on it, what do you see for the future of coaching? Like, what would you like to see done to it? Or how would you like to see it kind of shift? Or would you like to see it go away altogether? Because I personally am going through that process right now of like, what the fuck are, what the fuck is coaching? Sorry about my language. I don't know if you're a a cursor. I'm I'm a sailor's
2: mouth. So it's fine.
0: cool. Um, Cool, Cool.
2: I guess ideally I'm, I'm between burning it down and reforming it, but also like as an abolitionist, the, the, the burning it down in me is like, we should just burn it down and like start anew. Um, I think I'm leaning more towards that because like, you can't reform something that's already been like poisoned. Like it's like trying to reform like the prison system. Like, why would you reform that? Just burn it down. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. I agree with this wholeheartedly on so many levels um, where it is just like it's based I I have said this before I haven't really thought too much about it like coaching is to people what marketing is to products Mm. and like the industry where you're like trying to optimize them you're trying to like sell them on things like what are you missing what can we add to you. Um, it feels very similar, of, like how can you market yourself in a new way, or how can you like get a new skill, I don't know, it's like neoliberalism all tied up together, it's mm. pretty
2: gross. When actually in reality, I think holding Space is about relational work, also like, I think you've had Denise on this podcast, and they mentioned something that like, that's the work that they do, and like, I really also like, believe in and align with that, because like, yeah, like, honestly, with sex work, again, it's about making relationships. And like, one of my clients is also a friend and like, another client found me through TikTok and like, is talking about doing in person with me. And it's just like, yeah, it's because I like, actually take time to know them. And, and that's all it is to hold in space when you get time to know someone and also not dictate them. Because coaching, it's a lot of like, uh, in a lot of coaching spaces, I've noticed that people like want to dictate what others are or who others are, but like, no, like I can only like give you guidance and maybe like nudge you a little bit and ask you questions, but like at the end of the day, it it, it has to be you're like figuring it out or like you're like owning it. Um and it can't just be like me saying like, oh yes, you're you're whatever. Like, no, that's not how that works.
1: Yeah. You know, with, with what I'm hearing both of you talk about, it really r- reminds me of how I feel like a lot of coaching. I feel like anytime you run up into an obstacle, their little cookie cutter answers that, oh, it's your limiting beliefs. Like you have to fix your mindset, right? It's it's your mindset, it's your limiting beliefs. And I'm just like, Actually, maybe it's, like, trauma that I should actually be talking to a therapist about and not you. Like, that's, like, what comes into mind. Or, like, when I see, like, you know, the clients of coaches who, like, you know, I don't blame these people because they, they, they're they in this system and they, they're, like, fed these sort of, like, the image or, like, the fantasy, as you said – um, where they believe like this would, is what would be helpful for them. So I don't really blame them for falling for it. But I'm just kind of, sometimes I see how coaches might respond to their clients. And I'm just like, yikes, like you should be telling this person and I'm glad you do this with your clients of like, maybe talk to a therapist, like this is beyond like my scope, um, which is like really scary, because in coaching, it's like, people I feel like go out of their their scope of practice quite a bit
2: like I will literally sit down with you and do a worksheet with you for you to find a therapist like I literally have that because I've helped like friends and other people like find therapists so it's like look this is what I do with this is what I would do with a friend who needs a therapist and I'm going to do the same with you in the
1: next session that you book me for this is what we're going to do I love that so much. I I think that is so cool. Um, I'm much appreciated. Um, And so I'm just kind of curious right now, what is your favorite thing about what you're doing right now? Like as a chef, as a sex worker, like what right now is like, this is what I really like. This is what I'm really into doing as of late, or this is what, you know, brings me joy. And I'm glad that I'm doing this. So what brings me joy
2: right now is like what right now I'm working on experiential dinner experiences. And I think that's really unique because it brings the facilitation part. It brings the healing of sex work because sex workers are healers. Um, And it also brings in the food part because I love to fucking cook food. Um, And I'm collabing with a safe slot in New York for a couple of things. We're going to we're going to unveil them. But one of them is experiential dinner and it will be around the menu, sex work and food work and how that all, you know, goes together in the conversation around that. Because I realized that movie has made more people talk about food work, the food industry, which is really fucked up in its own ways. (laughs) Um, And then it's made people talk about sex work and like legitimizes it and destigmatizes it. Um, and also like it, the movie, in my opinion, is pro-sex work. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I really want to have a conversation about that because there's so much that you can like align with food in front of house and how that is like very akin to sex work in some ways. Um, and also people should, uh, follow the collectress. Uh, she's super cool And she has a whole there was a post on like sex workers as hospitality professionals. And I thought it was interesting as someone who's worked in food and specifically front of house, because there's a lot in front of house people take that, in my opinion, they should not take like honestly fire the shitty clients and like the clients who like actually like respect your workers. Those are the ones that you should keep. Because clients are not always right. Most of the time they aren't right. Sometimes they're right. But um, yeah, clients and customers, customers isn't God. And that's also what I don't like about a lot of like the fine dining industry that they think customers are God. And I'm just like, no, your customer could be fucking wrong. And you should fucking defend your, your employees. Because like, I remember when I was in fine dining, very small stint and did front of house. Like the GM just let me and other front of house people get gaslit. And I'm just like, why? Like it was detrimental to my mental health. And so, like, I don't know. That just needs to, there's so many things in the food industry that needs to change, but like the the normalization of abuse definitely needs to change. Like, no. There's other ways for people to learn, and it doesn't have to be through abuse. Because that's not mentorship, in my opinion. That's just getting someone down and doing like, no, that's just traumatizing someone. And that's not helpful when you want to
0: learn. Wow, that I agree with so much of what you said. Sorry, if I interrupted you, I just, the front of house work being equated to sex work. And I also think that you see this a lot. I mean, I guess, I I don't know from personal experience, obviously, but I would say comparatively the idea, particularly in fine dining, that offering you money and tip and like t- tipping you well entitles me to treat you, not me personally, but that for- customer to treat you like an object or not a real person. Um, yeah, wow. Thank you so much for sharing. Um. Sorry, I'm like, you can see me in real time. Yeah, I can see that you're like thinking
2: and like processing.
1: Yeah, you've said a lot of wonderful things that I'll be thinking about. And to be honest, I haven't seen the menu, but now I definitely will because I'm like I, I heard about to. it okay I definitely will I definitely will like sometime this week watch it um because now I'm really intrigued because I I heard about like the movie but like I just hadn't gone around to it so thank you for that um and so you mentioned a little bit um but we always ask people at the end of the interview um what's one thing you want to see more of in wellness and what's one thing you want to see less of in wellness and of course um this originally started as like a wellness podcast and our, our idea and definition of wellness has expanded. So yes, it definitely includes chefs and sex workers. So what are your thoughts? So
2: I want to see less of abuse, less of like, um, the, the boys club. Like, I think that's bullshit. And I also love that. I have a boss at my vanilla job who was like, yeah, that's totally bullshit. Like fuck that shit (laughs) fuck fine diamond dining like we should be focusing on feeding the people and i'm like yes go you um and i also want to see less of like entitlement to people's bodies people's times and like fine dining especially but also like it goes for like all work not just sex work not just food work like devaluing people and devaluing workers as a whole Mm -mm. I don't want to see that (laughs) um and I want to see more of paid wages that are fair um health care if you can offer it paid parental leave (laughs) um destigmatization of sex work and Mm decriminalization of sex work because it is valid and it's like not that I should have to like say that but like it it's more healing work than people think. Like, honestly, a lot of conversations I've had in sex work have been healing for me personally in my experience, because it's taught me how to like have better boundaries, with myself and also like at the same time, also like less of devaluation of workers, especially sex workers, massage parlor workers, uh, migrant workers back-of-house workers, especially with all, like, the classism and elitism around, like, you need to go to culinary school. Like, fuck that. You don't need to go to culinary school. I'm personally not planning to go to culinary school as of now. Like, maybe if I want to, like, specialize in something, but, like, right now, I'm like, nah, I don't want more student loans, to be honest. It's not worth it. Um, And more of just respecting people and consent in every part of work because like food work needs that too. And I think it could benefit from, you know, better policies around sexual and intimate partner violence and and gaslighting because that's just like, and also less of customers, God, because customers are not God. Customers are just people that want an experience. And you can also say, no to those people sex workers do it a lot of sex workers do it so why can't the food industry get on the same board
1: wow please please say that again respect and consent like I mean it's kind of like a no duh I mean maybe like for us here in this little zoom room but gosh out there in the world I just wish more people like knew that that was a thing And and yes, in every industry, um, especially just in every service industry, it's very much customers is God. And it's very weird because it's very much not true. And it's very harmful for all workers um, to be told that. And so um, thank you so much for voicing that. And um, how can people get in touch with you? So uh, my Instagram is sexy soup dumplings. If you want
2: to follow my OF. Um, and sub, uh, it is Smexy Soup Dumplings. Um, let me look at my S word Twitter because I have two different Twitters. I have my Safer Work Twitter and then my S word Twitter. Um, and my Sex Work Twitter is Sexy Dumplings. Um, I'm currently rebuilding, like working on my website and having that refresh with my new branding. Yay, a rebrand. Um, and it will be sexy soup dumplings because my government name is no longer serving me in that way. So I'm breaking up with that, uh, domain name. It's no more. Um, also I'm thinking where else. Oh, I got banned from TikTok. So people can't follow me there anymore. Um, <laughs> otherwise I would say TikTok. What's the other ones? Oh, I'm doing a Wait, no, I'm not sure when this is Aaron but I'm doing a workshop or I'll have workshops and you can follow that on my Instagram. And I'm phasing out one-on-one peer support for non-monogamy because I'm going to be doing more of that peer support in online and in-person sex work. So you're going to have to sub to my OnlyFans for that, if you want that.
1: Thank you so much for being on our podcast and talking to us today. Um, I really appreciate um knowing you basically just knowing you and think about the many DMs we've exchanged just talking about the shit we see on Instagram um and so i just want to thank you just just for um um not just what you do for everyone and everything that you shared but just for our personal friendship as well so thank you thank you <laughs> So this is our post-interview talk about our conversation with Sexy Soup Dumplings. Um, Lovely conversation. They've given me a lot to think about and appreciate. Um, What were some of your reflections, Zara? Okay, I absolutely love this interview. I love talking to Sexy Soup
0: Dumplings. I think they're brilliant. Um, And as we talked about in the beginning, they do get into the menu, and you guys heard our conversation about that. Um, and one of the things that kind of came to me was the idea that, I mean, and we talk about this in the episode about how sex work and pe- service workers, people who work in food, um, they get devalued as people a lot of the times in the work they do. And like, I think what Sexy Dumplings Jumblings does a lot with their work is try to bring that value back to the person and the personhood back to the person whether it's in, like involved with food or sex or whatever it is. um, And I do think we don't explicitly touch on this, but it is, the menu is such a good, and this whole conversation is just a reminder of the way capitalism devalues us as humans and takes our humanity away, right? Because we just wind up being like, well, I'm the customer, this is my experience, this is my serve, I'm supposed to be getting this thing, and it's like, okay, well, those are also people who are involved in your process, and if you have to, like, throw money at a thing and feel like that you don't have to treat people like people, which is, spoiler alert, what's going on in every American corporation across the country, Um, they don't even necessarily have to be American corporations, but we know what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, I think that was really interesting. I I really liked how I know this is in the post interview, which is available in our Substack. Listen to our Substack; it's really great over there. We got some good interviews. We have some good bonus content. Um, we talk about like hopes for 2023. And I do feel like labor rights is a thing that keeps coming out to me specifically around a lot of the stuff that Sexy Soup Dumplings does for work and was talking about content-wise. So yeah. Um, oh, okay. This is the point I made. Sorry, I write notes during interviews, everyone listening, and uh, my handwriting when I'm writing fast, not great. And it's also mixed into my grocery list, so... It just says rotisserie chicken in the middle of my thoughts. <laughs> Anyways, um, but one thing I do see is like I think what we don't talk about in the episode, but it is a point that I kind of wanted to make, is that I think sex workers and food workers, like service workers and even essential workers, teachers, nurses—they are the canaries in the coal mine who are screaming. Uh, you know. Things are about to get real bad. And I think a lot of people aren't listening to them. So those are just some of my reflections coming off of the episode. Did you have any reflections you wanted to share or anything you wanted to elaborate on on what I said? Because I said 9,000 assholes.
1: I love what you shared. And yeah, you know, I think like, I think that what you are saying about people in the service industry being like dehumanized and devalued um is something that is a reality um I have felt and I've seen. And also what really sucks is just like how also as like a quote consumer or customer that I've also sort of been um, conditioned to also feel like that's okay. Like if I'm, and not like I go out of my way to like treat people bad, but it's like, oh, if I'm a paying customer, then like fuck them, right? Like they just gotta give me what I want when I want it, how I want it. And it like made me think of something. So I was in Vegas earlier this month um for like a family trip for my cousin's 21st birthday. Um you know we had a good time it was fun. But it was so interesting because I had this Uber driver and thinking about just like service workers, I hope I'm not like going like way too far out of like what we started with, Um, but it was so he was so interesting because um, one of the first things I noticed because you know they put the on um, their profile like how many stars they had. This guy had like five stars, and you know I usually give all my drivers five stars anyways. But he had five stars, I was like, okay, cool, he's probably gonna be great. And it's so interesting because he was like so polite, and one of the and like really went above and beyond. Um, and like really showed it. And what's interesting is he was asking us where we wanted to be dropped off, even though I had set the drop-off point to be like where the like rideshare drivers would pick you up at the hotel I was staying. And I did that because I knew that would be like easiest for them. Um, because some of the apps either Lyft for Uber, I forgot which one, but like, they'll have you choose, like, even if it's the same hotel, like where the, your drop-off point is. And I said to him, I said, oh, I think even if they give me the option to, um, go to a different place, I picked the one that I think would be easiest for the drivers. And he was saying like, yeah, I understand that, but I try to look at it from a customer service lens since you're the ones who are paying us for like the service. And so like, he was basically offering that he could drop us off somewhere a bit more convenient for us. And I was like, oh yeah, that's interesting and thank you. And so we did go to a different um, drop-off point, even though personally for me, it wouldn't have mattered. (laughs) Like honestly, for me, it would not have mattered either way. And I didn't say this to him, but I wanted to say like, you know what? I also work in the service industry. And because of that, I want to make it easier for you. I didn't say that for some reason. I think it's because I was with my mom and um, just would have felt weird. But I think if I was just with him, I would have said, but I actually want to make it easier for you because I know you are like working really hard out here. And so anyways, I gave him a good tip and all but I always give people good tips, not like I don't. Um, Of course, give him a five star, which he continues to have, I'm sure to this day. Um, But I don't know, there's just something really interesting about how I think we're kind of conditioned to like, see that like someone who goes above and beyond. Um, Sexy Soup Dumpling says that the customer is not God. Um, And I feel like that's a line I'm going to like be using to myself when I'm like, you know, working with customers or being in service. Um, And even for myself, when I'm a customer, that's like, I'm not God. Like, I'm just a person and this is another person. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to share that. I don't know. Did that make sense, Zara? Yeah, that made so much sense. And I think that's really interesting because this is something I was going to mention to you
0: personally, and it's like the same idea, but a different story. Like, um, I recently was with a family member and they were talking about going out to a restaurant or whatever. And they were like, oh, the server, she was so nice. And, you know, it's not like this person is a bad tipper or would ever give anyone a bad tip. But they were like, oh, she was just so good. I gave her an extra tip because I said, this is how you're supposed to do your job. And to which I said to them, which caused we'll say an uncomfortable conversation for all of us, but I am not one to back down from an uncomfortable conversation. um, Where I mentioned, like, you don't know what that person is experiencing. Like, yeah, it's nice that they're willing to give you or able to give you that, but like maybe their dad died this morning. Maybe they had a shitty day for work. Maybe they don't know how they're gonna pay their rent. You know, like there are 9 million things that we as a customer don't think of because of the idea that is ingrained to us, which is like Sexy Soup jumping was talking about like because the client is God or the client isn't God. You know what I mean? Like we're not gods when we go to places, but we think we are. And then like, we want to tie our own benevolence to it. Like when we tip people well, and it's like, no, people should be tipped well because they're doing a job. Like first and foremost, tipping culture has, a lot tied to it that I don't think we have time to get into but yeah I do think it is interesting how you're someone who's considerate of it and you're aware of it but it's like so deeply ingrained in everyone you know what I mean like if you're undoing it or not I don't know if that made
1: sense but like yeah
0: I do yeah I think it's interesting sorry my dog is like really being needy down here
1: Uh. yeah I I definitely agree with you. And so I guess like sexy soup dumplings probably didn't intend this, but now I'm thinking about, you know, yes, customers, customer is not God. Um, And that includes me then when I am a customer. Um, So that's really interesting. And then I would say the other reflection I'm thinking about from our conversation with them is on, they talk about, and they talk a little bit more about this in the bonus episodes, I'm going to go ahead and plug that again, you can listen a little bit more. Um, But they were talking about how they are working in a way where the structures are like horizontal, and not just that top down or vertical. And how um, that is like, I don't know, sort of like a, a culture shift that they are What I'm sensing is they're a part of that culture shift, but also they desire to see more of that culture shift in like all industries. But, you know, of course, in like fine dining and food, as well as in sex work. And I thought that was really interesting because I yearn for that. Like, I feel like I'm always about not the top down, but the bottom up about the horizontal structures. And so it's just nice to hear someone like reiterate some of the things like I already know and think about, but then like, you know, in their own words and in their field, because I'm just like don't we all want that or like don't we all need that desperately right now and I mean that's why people are out like trying to unionize and strike and stuff solidarity forever
0: um yeah and I agree with that idea where it is like it was really nice to hear Sexy Suites talk about the horizontalness and as well as like the relational part of what it means to work with someone, right? It's not just like a transaction. And I think like with hierarchy, it becomes a transaction. Someone above you gives something to someone below them. You know what I mean? Someone below them gives something to someone above them versus when it's horizontal, it's more of an exchange, right? Um, And that makes me, and the whole relational aspect of it made me wonder something you know, how influence, like coaching is a big nightmare experience. We talk about it more on the episode. Um, but I think about how influencers, I wonder the level to which the reason so many influencers became big was because you feel like you're developing a relationship, right? Parasocial relationships. And then a lot of those influencers did some level of like coaching or marketing or work with me or join this group or whatever. Um, and it is that disgusting level of hierarchy where you feel and parasocialness where you feel like there's a relationship you feel like there's a connection you feel like you know them so you can give them an exorbitant amount of money to treat you or coach you or fix you or heal you or all of those words that you legally probably shouldn't even be allowed to say surrounding the work that you do
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I remember so sexy soup really um was really vocal about their own experiences and thoughts on the coaching industry. And I think what's interesting is they use a term like how there's like a lot of like cookie cutter, like answers or like there's like a cookie cutter-ness to like how coaches do things and how they treat their like clients. Um, And I feel like, well, first of all, I feel like I freaking hate that. But also I do find it interesting because again, now I'm thinking about myself as like, not the person who's doing the influencing, but the person who's being influenced, do I maybe sometimes like that? Or is there a part of me that's been conditioned to want, like, maybe some of the more cookie cutter answers, right? Because like, for instance, it's really easy to say, like, or to think my problems will be solved if I just pay this woman, this, this white woman, a bunch of money, so she can tell me I have limiting beliefs, and that I'm in my own way. And if I just do steps one two three that she laid out in her program that I will be healed or fix like is there a part of our own just how we structure our society that makes us feel like like even if not consciously like it's comforting to have maybe a cookie cutter answer yeah that's capitalism right that's capitalism that's marketing that it's white
0: supremacy this is the 12-step plan be white get money have have your own servant wife bang made therapist. You know what I mean? Like that's the American dream, baby. Um, Hopefully not the real American dream, but it is like that idea that you have to, like there's a direct step and a direct line of ways to do things. And if you aren't doing them, then you're wrong. And it's like, we know that that's not true. And it's like the idea of decolonization where it's like, even you see a lot of these coaches out here who are like join my decolonization program follow these five easy steps and you're like is it decolonization if it still steps because i think it's undoing the structures and one of the things we're all really tied to is having a direct answer and i think that's why poaching is such an insidious and well what's saturated industry because everyone wants us you want a five step solution that's going to you know i would love to believe that the reason i'm struggling is because i'm not doing enough affirmations every day versus yeah you didn't having, you didn't
1: do step 3 you know you can't skip step 3 you know there's always a coach who gives you the homework and says like don't forget to do your journaling prompts and then if you didn't
0: do your journaling prompts see this is why you're not succeeding. And it's like, I don't know, man, you're like a white lady living on like a beach in Hawaii. And you know, this person you're telling this to could be trying to keep a roof over their head, struggling with a physical mental disability, like having a sick family member. There are millions of things that are standing in the way of you not succeeding. And it generally isn't because you're lazy and not trying hard enough and don't believe in yourself. I mean, those are all factors we all experience because capitalism has broken each of us in a special way. Um, But yeah, I agree. There's not, it's, it's, it would be nice if there were a system. And I think that's why people want to believe in coaching. That is a thing I still struggle with wanting to believe in coaching for because like, yeah, there is a way to help people, but it's like, I don't know, man, it's all feeling like bullshit.
1: Yeah. And I love um, when you ask sexy soup dumplings, um, whether they're more about reforming or like burning it all down. And they're like, I'm in between, but I'm an abolitionist, like, fuck it, burn it all down. And um, yeah, I I also kind of feel I'm in between. But I also just feel like I feel like coaching and just anything in the world that you're going to do. I think the more this is what I would say in my experience the more like precise or specific the issue, the better it will be. So I feel like coaching is helpful if you're like, this is the one problem I want help with. And like, this is the one person who, and not like the one person like cookie cutter, only this person can save you. But like, this is a person who has the skills and experience who could help me solve this like one issue. But the problem I see is like, I guess because of capitalism and coaches wanting to be experts of all kinds of stuff is that they're all trying to be experts of like everything. So like a life coach or a mindset coach or a business coach. Um even those three words can get blurred. Like when I have seen mindset coaches say like, "Oh, I coach like entrepreneurs and business owners, but like you don't have to be one to be my client." But then it's like, "But wait, then then how are you going to actually help that person if they're Coming to you because they are wanting help with something specific as like an entrepreneur, business owner. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like they're trying to like they're trying to solve everything because it, that's like their marketing, I guess. That you because they have the cookie cutter answers to give you.
0: Uh, sorry, this just gave me a big flashback for, and I think it was 2018. I paid at the time a fancy, fabulous coach to do one of her programs or whatever. And I was trying to figure out how to integrate like Enneagram coaching, like intrapersonal work, like coaching. And she had formerly been like, a you pick one area, you're either going to teach people how to lose weight, you're going to teach people how to find love, or you're going to teach people to get more money, whatever, those are your three things. And then when I took her course, she had like, she was like, why is this? Obviously, it was my fault because mindset, but she was basically like, there was like a, why is this girl not thriving situation? And the next round, she offered her coaching to be more, quote unquote, inclusive in the sense that she was like, yeah, and life coaches, we'll figure out how to market you. So basically, like, if you don't have a niche, we'll figure out how to market you. Like, I'm where I didn't feel like she helped me figure out a niche. She basically was like, no, you just need to pick you need to pick a pain point and market it to people. I don't know. It was just like very weird, but it is like such a thing where they want to put you in a box, but at the same time, you can't be in that box because you also need to be all of these other things. Right. Like you need to, you need to help them find all
1: of the things. And it's like, I don't know, one person's not going to
0: solve all your problems.
1: Right. Because, you know, I often think about what some of the coaches put out there. And then when I hear about people not having good experiences with coaching, whether it's from the coach's perspective or the client, I'm just thinking like, okay, well, it just sounds like you weren't a good fit. But for some reason, your coach didn't want to be honest with you and say, like, actually, I can't help you. Like, maybe you need a therapist or like, I can't help you. Maybe you need an accountant, you know, if you're thinking about like financial stuff, or maybe you need someone who is an expert on, you know, this operations or this other ex- aspect of business to help you thrive. Um, and so that's what I mean by like specific slash precise um problems slash pain points. Um, but it's like you said, it's like, but they want to be, um, they want to do everything and be everything because everyone else is competition, right? like that's capitalism
0: yeah well and the thing and like this is something i was talking to someone recently about where it's like there's this idea okay actually gosh it was some these are now two different things one was i was listening to a tiktok earlier today and someone was reading from a book i wish i knew the book i wish i remembered the creator it's been a long day um but it was like when people think about food, right, there's a satiated point. There's a point where you're like, oh, I'm full. I don't need more, you know, and other things in life. There is a fullness point, but why does that not apply to like the business realm where it's like, you just have to keep expanding forever. And that's where coaching becomes dangerous because no coach can sustain that like business model while still developing real relational dynamics that incorporate some level of horizontal structure versus like a a hierarchical structure
1: absolutely oh my gosh I just oh there's there's so much I could say about that um just my own experiences as well but I just want to say absolutely agree with that and I just really appreciate um sexy soup dumplings and what they are doing, and just just so that people know, because a lot of what they talk about is like what's possible. Besides, you know that hierarchical, vertical way of doing things is to be in spaces and situations, and to even do your own like entrepreneurial and creative pursuits in a horizontal way. Um, and I just think that's like a really important thing. And so, yeah. Do you have any other th- thoughts, Zara?
0: No, I think I. I think Sexy Soothedlings gave us so much beautiful insight, material, and conversation and sparked a lot of really interesting conversation between us and this post-interview. And yeah, I'm just so grateful. And of course, there's so much to say always. But yeah, I think this was a great episode, a great conversation. And I'm thank you for being here with me again for our first interview of the year.
1: Of course. Of course, Zara. And thank you to our listeners. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Thoughtful Wellness Revolution podcast. For bonus content, you can go to thoughtfulwellnessrevolution.substack.com and subscribe for $5 a month. You can also follow us on Instagram at thoughtful revolution to share your thoughts. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you're listening.